this week on Best Friends Horror Story. And he was in Lowriders, which is a movie that I love to hate. Shout out to Mr. Gigi, a guy I watch on YouTube who turned me on to that movie I watched it. Is it about low-rise pants? No. <laughs> it's about like low-rider cars. She bought me these two, I'm not kidding you, life-size porcelain Raggedy Ann and Andy dolls. Ew. Like they were dressed as Raggedy Ann and Andy, but they had real faces. Oh. And they were like life size. Julie's like, these my friends. They were my friends. They're all playing this game called Hide and Clap, which Fuck. <laughs> which Christine is having none of. No. And it's my kids want to play any creepy games. Right? I'm gonna be like, no. you go to your aunt Julie's house and you play that play shit. Play all game. the creepy games at my house, kids. <laughs> Hi friends. Hello. Welcome back. Did you guys miss us? Probably not. Wow. I don't, I don't know if I missed us. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I missed you. We have a special episode today. They're all special, but this one in particular is a, it, a little nugget it's, for you. It's and, near you and know, dear to my heart because, to yes, because I, I am a huge fan of this subject and these movies. Today we're going to be talking about the Conjuring universe. We're going to go through the whole Thing. So just bear with us. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> Hold on to your butts. Because this is going to get crazy. Good thing I had my ibuprofen before. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it could have been fun if you had it, you know, afterwards, you know, just trying to do this all in pain and shit. Oh, my stomach lining. <laughs> Basically, how this is going to go is I'm going to give us a little backstory on the Warrens, which is what the Conjuring universe kind of centers around is Ed and Lorraine Warren. Get ready to get educated. You're going to get educated. You're going to learn something today. You're going to learn today. And then we're going to kind of go through the timeline and then we'll just do a little kind of blurb about each movie, who's in it, quick plot, and then what we thought of it. And then at the end, we'll rank them all, even though Christine hasn't seen all of them. Whoops. <laughs> but that's okay. It's I feel like with these, it's kind of like you've seen one, you've seen them all. Well, but. I feel like that when you give me the synopsis, it'll be like I'm there. Right. I don't even have to see Exactly. Them. Yeah. That's what you come to our podcast for, right? You don't actually want to see the movies. You just want to hear us talk about them. Right. And then you can imagine it in your own mind. And it's like you made your own movie. Oh my gosh. Imaginations are a crazy thing. <laughs> a little bit about Ed and Lorraine Warren. Ed was a self-professed, self-taught demonologist. And Lorraine was a clairvoyant. She was also a light trance medium. They initially founded the New England Society for Psychic Reacher Psychic Research. I can't reach her. <laughs> And it's actually the oldest ghost hunting group in New England. So that's pretty cool. Fun fact. Um, they authored a ton of books on the paranormal and private and private investigations that they did for people into hauntings. And they claim to have investigated over 10,000 cases in their career. Learning so much. That's a lot of ghosts and demons. 10,000? 10, <laughs> 10,000. That's like Gene Simmons when he's like, oh, I've had sex with 200,000 women. Oh, you're like, wow, gross. that's a lot. That's like we too many. <laughs> we know that he's had a sex with at least one because there is a sex tape and it is very unfortunate to watch. <laughs> I felt really bad for the girl. <laughs> I'm going to go see Kiss in September. Getting off topic. Oh. Yeah. Oh, Christine. Man. I was going to say. 32. Didn't your dad used to <laughs> sing that song to you? No, no, he didn't. Why would he sing that song to I me? It's about an he... underage girl. I know, but I thought you said that he, like you, 
He wouldn't let me listen that's to That's right. That's right. I was like, wait, I know that there was something with you and your he, dad that Well, song. he would listen, let me listen to Kiss, but when that song came out, I was like, yeah, it's my name. And he's like, that's not why I named you it. And he's like, don't <laughs> listen to that song. And I did. And I was like, yeah, I don't see the big deal. There was a song that my mom wouldn't let me listen to. This is really off topic, but my mom was a huge Jimmy Buffett fan. Oh, like a huge, I'm a huge fan, buffet fan, and right, <laughs> and I we used to listen to a a tape of his live in Florida concert, I think, and there was one song that she would always fast forward, and I was like, Mom, why won't you let me listen to that song? And she's like, You listen to it when you're older. She finally let me listen to it, and the reason that she wouldn't let me listen to it was because there's a line in it that says, Why don't we get drunk and screw? <laughs> that's the only reason the only reason she would let oh. me listen to it oh my god we got way off topic. we did okay back to back. back to what we were talking Ed about and Lorraine uh yes so and one of their big cases that they investigated of course was the Amityville haunting in Amityville New York and they were among the first investigators to actually go to the house and check it out and see how things were so some of the investigations that they did, which were they were most famous for, which obviously was the Annabelle investigation, we'll get into a little bit. Of course, the real doll does not actually look like the doll in the movies. It was a Raggedy Ann doll. It was possessed by an inhuman presence, and they actually took the doll, and it was... I believe it still is on display in their occult museum that they had in their house. Unfortunately, Ed and Lorraine have both passed away. Ed passed away a couple years ago, and I think Lorraine passed away last year. But I believe that their museum is still in operation. I'm not sure if it's in their house still or if it was moved, but nevertheless. A second one was the Perrin family. That is what The Conjuring was based oh, off of. It took place in Harrisville, Rhode Island, um, and they were haunted by a witch who lived on their property in the early 19th century, Bathsheba Sherman. And she cursed the land and what she said, name. I know, right? What do you call her? Sheba? Bathsheba. Bathsheba. <laughs> and uh, so she cursed the land and she said whoever lived there would die a horrible death. And Lorraine was um, a consultant actually on the film. And she has a cameo in the film, which it was really funny when I saw it. I was like, oh, there's Lorraine. <laughs> the next one, of course, was Amityville. That was in 1976. George and Kathy Lutz lived in a house that they claimed was haunted by a violent and demonic presence. And it was so intense that it actually drove them to leave. It's literally, they literally had to move. Yes. A lot of people claim that this haunting was a hoax. It was actually... Proven several times it was a hoax, but Lorraine maintained that it was not. So I don't know. I've read a lot about the Amityville horror. I've read the book. I've read a lot of interviews. I've seen a lot of movies and documentaries. And I honestly don't know. Like it's one of those cases where I want to believe maybe that it was true, but I'm not sure if it actually was. You want to believe in the magic? I want to believe in the in the demon magic. <laughs> The next one was the Enfield Pol Poltergeist. That was kind of London's Amityville. Uh, that was in 1977. A family in the North London suburb, they were being haunted by a whole bunch of poltergeist activity. That's actually one to this day, one of the most well-documented cases of a haunting ever, which is pretty crazy. And that's, of course, what The Conjuring 2 was based off of. And the Warrens were actually way less involved in this investigation than they are portrayed to in the movie. They actually showed up to the house unannounced and they were not allowed inside. Oh. Yeah. So there you go. You shall not um, and, <laughs> and then this last one is the basis for the next Conjuring film to come out, which will be, um, I believe, in October or September of this year. 
And it's based on, I can't, I can't figure out if this is Arne or Arnie <laughs> Johnson. It's spelled A-R-N-E. So Arne. Arne. I guess. He was accused of killing his landlord, Alan Bono. And N. Lorraine had been called prior to the killing of this guy to deal with the alleged demonic possession of the younger brother of Arne's fiance. I know that's a lot to comprehend, but... Uh, Say it again. Arne Johnson was accused of killing his landlord. Yes. Prior to killing his landlord, Ed and Lorraine had been called to deal with the alleged demonic possession of essentially his bro- his brother-in-law to be his okay. fiance's younger brother. The Warrens claimed that he was also possessed and at the trial Johnson attempted to plead not guilty by reason of demonic possession. But he was unsuccessful. (laughs) So that is the basis of The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. Yes, that's why why it's called that. (laughs) So that's a little background on Ed and Lorraine. Obviously, The Conjuring Universe centers around them. Of course, Ed and Lorraine in the films are portrayed by Patrick Wilson, plays Ed, and he, of course, was in Phantom of the Opera, Hard Candy, Insidious. I mean, he's a pretty well-known actor, I, I think, at this point. Yeah. He's amazing in Hard Candy. Um, He's also in... Oh my god, I cannot believe I just lost the name of it. What? Fucking... What's it? With my man! With the, Aquaman! Oh, Aquaman! Yeah, that's right. He's the villain in Aquaman. King, King Orm? Yeah. 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 I actually had a really big crush on him when he was in Fam of the Opera because I love a guy that can sing. And he plays Raoul. And I was like, ooh, he's cute, but I love the Phantom more. Oh. Shout out to Gerard Butler. <laughs> but And then, of course, Vera Farmiga plays Lorraine, and she was in Orphan, Bates Motel, The Departed, and she is... She is Thaisa Farmiga's older There's, sister yes. by 25 years, or 26 years. 25. 25? Hang on, I wrote it down. <laughs> Give me my notes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I... 20, sorry, 21 year age gap. Yeah, but they are sisters. Sisters, and when you realize that, you look at them oh, and you're like, exactly oh, you like are, them. I thought they were mother-daughter. Like, you know, I thought that for a long time too, but then I read that they were sisters and I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Total okay. sense. And yeah. there's like a lot of them. There's like five or six yeah. kids. Yeah. And the two of them are just the movie stars. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the timeline of this universe is kind of weird. I will lay it out in the best way I know possible. So get out those pens and papers. Right. So the nun is the first in this timeline and that takes place in 1952. And it has Thaisa. It does have Thaisa for me in it. And then... After that, you have Annabelle creation that take place in 1955. Then you have Annabelle that takes place in 1967. Annabelle comes home, which is in 1970. The Conjuring, which was takes place in 1971. The Curse of La Llorona, which takes place in 1973. The Conjuring 2, which takes place in 1977. And the last film, The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It, which will take place in 1981. So we're going to go through these by where they are in the timeline, not when they were released. We'll tell you when they were were released. I just can't talk today. Get your words together, woman. Ah. (laughs) We're on a a podcast. I know. I need to be professional. Be professional. Okay. (laughs) But we will tell you when they were released. We're going to give you kind of the rundown of who was in them, who directed them, what they're known for, kind of like we always do. So the first one is... The non. The nerd. The nerd. Which we saw together. We did see this together. We saw a couple of them together. We did. And this was directed by Corin Hardy, 
really the only thing that he directed was The Hallow. That was the only thing on his list of credentials that I recognized him from. I saw that movie once and I wasn't uh, too fond of it. Um, this movie came out in 2018 and it stars Damien Beecher, which uh, <laughs> Damien Beecher is one of those guys that I see him and I'm like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah, and he was in the new thing that we saw together that we will do another episode on yes, later. Yes, yes. Um, and then he was also in Alien Covenant, which was another horrible movie. And he was in Lowriders, which is a movie that I love to hate. Shout out to Mr. Gigi, a guy I watch on YouTube who turned me on to that movie I watched it. Is it about <laughs> Lowrider's pants? No. <laughs> it's about like Lowrider cars. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well. Um, so then it also stars Thaisa Farmiga, who's of course in American Horror Story, Final Girls, and uh, Anna, most notably. She plays Sister Irene. Oh, sorry. Damon Beecher plays Father Burke. Father Buck. Plays a pl- he plays a, a priest. Thaisa Farmiga plays Sister Irene. And then uh, Jonas Bloquet, he plays Frenchie, and he was in Three Days to Kill and that weird Valerian movie with Rihanna. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, what am I watching? <laughs> it was like Jupiter Ascending. I was like, this movie's weird. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then there, I mean, the other there's other people in it, but it, they're not notable, I guess I would yeah. say. But anyways, basic plot of this takes place in um, 1952. In Romania, there is a monastery. It's called St. Cartha's Monastery. And the nuns there are being attacked by this unseen evil force. They go to this tunnel to get an ancient Christian relic. They don't tell you what it is, but they're all attacked. One of the nuns runs away. And then the demon nun, Valak, appears. Which, if you saw The Conjuring 2, you know what Valak is. I have to say... Valak was much creepier in the country too. It than was. It was in this yeah. movie. It's really bad in I, the nun. I know. And so the demon nun shows up, the sister that gets away, she hangs herself. And then her body is discovered by Frenchie, and he brings like supplies to them. So then the Vatican is like, oh, we gotta send somebody. So they send Father Burke to Rome send and they in send in Father Burke. And so he goes, he brings Sister Irene. She's a nun, but she's a novice at that time. So she is going to, this is, I guess, like her first assignment. So they go to Romania and Sister Irene is teaching children the relationship between religion and science in school. The mother superior and tells her that Father Burke shows up and they're going to go. So they go to Romania and they meet Frenchie and then he takes them to the abbey. And they see, you know, Victoria's body and they take a key off of her body. And one thing that I noticed when I was watching this movie was when they show up, which you would assume would be a couple weeks, maybe later after this happens, when they show up and they're going into the monastery, there's blood on the stairs, but it's fresh blood. It's not like dried blood. And I was like, is that a continuity thing? Or like, I I don't get it. It was weird. So... They show up and then they come inside and they find the abbess who is like the head nun. <laughs> she's she's the head nun. <laughs> God. She informs them that the nuns observe a period of silence, which is normal for nuns who are cloistered. Cloistered? Yes. Yeah, so when nuns are in a convent, they call it you're, you're being cloistered in a convent. When they're all in a group together, we call it a cloister. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so... I'm all hopped up on ibuprofen. Yeah, she is. (laughs) 
So they observe a period of silence at night, uh, but she's like, you know, you guys can stay. This place is sort of attached to the convent if you want to come tomorrow when they can talk. Frenchie gets attacked by a demon when he returns to the village, but he escapes. Father Burke has this whole thing that he's telling Irene about a boy that he exercised in the past, but his name was Daniel, and he was actually um, killed during the ritual, and Father Burke is like, carries the burden, he's very upset, and... Then Irene reveals that as a girl, as a girl, she had visions and each of them concluded with Mary points the way. If I have not seen a lighted sign that says plot point right here, because uh, that was ridiculous. And that and that was sort of what caused the church to take an interest in her to essentially cause her to become a nun. Because she had some dreams. She had some dreams where they said, Mary points the way. That night, Father Burke decides to, like, wander outside. He <laughs> he falls into a, an open grave. Open grave. Just random open Random open grave. And then he gets buried alive. Uh, and yeah. Irene finds him and saves him. The bells, him. right? Yeah. The, the, so there is a practice uh, in Romania. Actually, it is. Uh, I don't know if it's still practice today, but it was practice back in the day. They would put bells on the graves that had a string that would run down into the box in case somebody was buried alive. It was also to help weed out vampires because, you know, vampires were a thing in, in Romania. Romania. So the next day, Irene and Father Burke, they go back to the abbey, but only Irene can go in because it's cloistered and that means they can't have any men in there. Yeah. Yeah. Ladies so, only. Ladies only. Yes, ladies. So she... We're cloistered. <laughs> cloistered. It's cloistered. Cloistered tight. <laughs> so she meets some of the other nuns and that they're pra- they're praying constantly, like all the time, these nuns in this convent are. And they swap in shifts and they're essentially doing it to keep the evil at bay. Oh, like how nurses do- swap out for CPR. Yes. Exactly. But exactly the same There's thing. a random character. Her name is Sister Owana, and she basically gives the Abbey's history that it was built in the Middle Ages as a castle by a duke who was obsessed with the occult. And the duke summoned a demon through a rift in the catacombs, but he was killed by Christian knights who sealed the rift with a vial filled with the blood of Christ. However, the bombings during World War II accidentally reopened the rift and unleashed the evil entity. And then Burke recognizes the demon as Valak and discovers that the abbess has actually been dead this whole time. Right. Yeah, she's not alive anymore. She did. She did. (laughs) Frenchie's like going back to the abbey and he's going to help Irene and Burke and then... Irene gets attacked by the demon and she joins the nuns in their prayer to ward off the demon. Finally, when the when the group like gets back together, Irene realizes that none of the nuns that she has seen talked to were real and that she's just been praying alone this whole time. And that Victoria had actually been the last nun at the Abbey and had sacrificed herself to stop Valak from possessing her body, mm-hmm. basically. Because once the demon obviously possesses someone, then it'll be unstoppable. So then they kind of theorize that Valak can only be stopped if they seal the rift with the blood of Christ. And it's like in a, a reliquary, which is where a whole bunch of, you know, ancient relics are, are kept. The trio are like, okay, we're going to go get the vial that was in the reliquary. And Victoria had the key. That's the key that they found in the beginning. Irene tells Father Burke that God has called her to make her solemn vows as a nun. And then she's like, you gotta make me a real nun before we do this. <laughs> because. Put me in coach. Put me in coach. I'm ready. <laughs> ready 
So he does that in the chapel. And so then they unlock the door to the tunnel and I, Irene gets lured into a, a pentagram. It's random. And so she gets possessed by Valak. Frenchie's like, I'm gonna get some blood of Christ. And he like smears it on his face and he casts the demon out of her. But then Burke gets wounded by the ghost of Daniel and Valak is like drowning Irene in this flooded chamber. But then for some reason, I don't know how this happens. I know. Irene gets the blood of Christ in her mouth, which I'm like, Ew, girl. What the yeah. fuck? And so... That's she, unsanitary. It's very unsanitary. And I mean, that's what? Thousands of years old blood? Like, what the fuck? It's not all crusty? <laughs> so she like spits it into the demon's face. The thing seals the rift. And then Frenchie's like, oh, Irene. And he gets her back to life. My name is Maurice. Unfortunately, unbeknownst to all of them, he's been possessed by Valak and uh, he now has an inverted cross that forms on his neck. So then it actually cuts to 19 years later, there's a university seminar that's going on and Carolyn Perrin, the mother from The Conjuring is watching Ed and Lorraine essentially present footage of them attempting to exercise Maurice. And that's where Lorraine has her super freak out because she sees Ed die. Yeah. Maurice grabs Lorraine and that's the vision that she gets. And that's what Inve that's what prompts them to investigate the parent farmhouse as well as encounter Valak during the Conjuring 2. I love how these things are tied together. At least they do a really good job of weaving all the stories together. I hated this movie. <laughs> it was not as good as we were hoping because when we first, I remember you would not shut up about the nun painting. No, I love in it. The Conjuring. I you love it. Own it. I do. I actually have it somewhere around here. But that scene in the con is it the Conjuring two? two? Yeah, yeah. It's terrifying. The scene in the Conjuring two is terrifying. Yeah, we'll talk about it when it is yes. when it has but, its time. But this movie had so many plot holes. So many plot holes. So many just, I don't understand why that's happening. Why is this happening? And everything is just so ham-fisted. It was just, it really wasn't good. And I have found that in the Conjuring universe, the only movies that I like are ones that are directed by James Wan, who directed the first Conjuring. James Wan. James Wan. And he also did Aquaman, which yes. is probably why Patrick is in it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like... But this movie, it just, it wasn't scary. It had a whole bunch of jump scares, which, you know, I love a good jump scare. But I only love them at times where they make sense and where they are done in a correct way. They're done in a way that, you know, actually makes you jump. These I saw coming a mile away. It just, it, what did you think? I'm scared more than you are. Yeah. But then also some things you're like, oh, that was really creepy. And I'm yeah. like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. So I, I didn't hate this movie. I love Thaisa Farmiga. I do too. So I really enjoyed seeing her, but I've also seen her in some bad stuff too. Yeah. But I've just enjoyed watching her because she looks like a meek little mouse that needs help. Um, <laughs> and we all know how I feel about little animals. Right. So I didn't hate it. Uh, I definitely thought that the nun was scarier in The Conjuring 2. Yes. I was very upset with the fact that they kind of changed it. Mm -hmm. I was able to follow the storyline pretty well, but I didn't notice little things like you noticed them. Yeah, very detail-oriented when it comes to horror movies. And if things just don't make sense to me, it bothers me. Continuity stuff really bothers me. There's that. <laughs> I thought it was really smart about the, the bells with the grave. Mm -hmm. I distinctly remember that and at one point they're all ringing at yeah. the same time that and was like freaking out yeah that was pretty crazy yeah that freaked me 
yeah. So, uh, next movie we're going to talk about is Annabelle Creation. Annabelle. So, this is... Gross. Um, <laughs> Christine hates dolls. But it wasn't, it wasn't as scary as I thought it would be because there's no actualness of the doll, like, getting up and going like... Ha-ha! Yeah, that's what Christine hates is inanimate objects that are animated. <laughs> yeah. But she never actually becomes animated. No. It's just kind of like with the movie The Boy. It's they just like, move around. Yeah, they're just like, oh, they're in this spot now. Yeah. But you actually don't see them getting up and walk, like sauntering right. over right. to the chair. So Annabelle Creation came out in 2017 and it was directed by David Sandberg. And he actually directed Shazam, which oh. was awesome. And he directed Lights Out, which was actually a really great horror movie. That movie. I know, it's so creepy. We'll do one on that. (laughs) Yes, we'll we'll do Lights Out and we'll do Bird Box. We should do Mama too. Oh, I love that movie. So um, this stars Anthony LaPaglia. He plays Samuel Mullins and he was in So I Married an Axe Murderer and Empire Records. Those are the two that I know him from at least. He was also in a couple other things and I can't remember off the top of my head what they were. It also stars Miranda Otto who plays Esther Mullins and she plays Eowyn in Lord of the Rings. I am no man. I'm like, yes, girl. I I have a shirt that says that. (laughs) I am no man. Yes. She's also in I Frankenstein and she's in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. That is true. Which aunt is she? Oh God, Zelda? Zelda, I think so, yeah. It also stars Lulu Wilson. She plays Linda. She was in The Haunting of Hill House, Sharp Objects, and Ouija, Origin of Evil. God. (laughs) That movie's so bad. Oh, but that was, no, it wasn't bad. It was scary. I didn't like it. (laughs) And then it also stars Aletha Bateman, and she plays Janice, and she was in Geostorm and um, Love, Simon. Never seen either of those movies. Plot of this, Samuel makes dolls and he makes a doll for his daughter who is named Annabelle, but they called her B for short. And That's um, what I call my sister. Shout out to B. <laughs> her name's Rebecca. Oh, well, there you go. She steps in front of a car when they're on the side of the road changing a tire. She dies. And they're grieving the loss of her. Um, she was seven. So then 12 years later, the Mullins decide that they're going to open their home and provide shelter for Sister Charlotte and six girls who are left homeless by the closing of their orphanage two of which are Linda and Janice. And they're kind of really good friends. And Janice has polio, or she had polio, and she was disabled by it. So they show up at the house. I don't remember exactly how many girls there are, but there are some older girls and then younger girls. Mr. Mullins tells them there's one room that they can't go into, and it's B's old room. And they have left it pretty much exactly the same as when she died. Janice, she finds a note that says, find me. And she sneaks into the room, which has mysteriously come unlocked. And she finds a key for Bee's closet. And when she opens it up, there's Annabelle, the doll. Because she opened it, it releases the demon that was attached to the doll. One night, the demon like takes the form of Bee, but she's like a demon Bee. It's (laughs) actually quite terrifying. And she shows up to Janice and she's like, I want your soul. a soul. I would just like your soul, please. (laughs) Since Janice has polio, obviously she can't go downstairs, but there's like a stair lift Mr. Mullins essentially installed because his wife at this point is bed bound and she is deformed and she attempts to get away on the stair lift, but the demon recalls the stair lift back to the top of the stairs and then she throws her over 
the stairwell and she lands on the ground floor and then she's like super severely injured and she has to be put in a wheelchair rude. and then i know <laughs> rude ass demon rude ass demon bitch <laughs> so then janice's best friend linda is also tormented by the demon and one morning the demon poses his sister charlotte and it wheels janice into this barn where in the form of b it attacks and possesses her and then linda notices that janice is kind of changing in behavior and she tells samuel that Janice snuck into B's room and found the doll. And now Janice can walk. Surprise! <laughs> and she transforms into the demon and she very brutally kills Samuel. I remember she actually breaks his fingers. Yeah, it's but... not. Ugh, I hate that scene. I hate when things are, bones are broken. <laughs> so Linda. Ooh, I just had a memory of, uh, it was uh, in I don't think it was Insidious. Was it Insidious? When the girl, she stands up on broken legs and it like shows it. Is that Insidious? I don't think. I can't remember. The, skeleton, the key. Oh, Skeleton Key. Yeah, yeah. Skeleton yes, Key. Yes, it is in that movie. She breaks both of her legs and yeah. she like breaks her casts off and stands up on fucking broken legs and it's gross. But yeah. anyways, we're not talking about Insidious. That is not neither here <laughs> we'll, nor there. We'll do that in another episode. <laughs> then Linda's like, you know what? Fuck this. And she takes Annabelle and she throws her into the well that's on the property. But then strange uh, noises start coming from the well and she almost gets dragged in. But then Sister Charlotte shows up and she saves her. Sister Charlotte is like really alarmed by this. So she goes to speak with Esther and she's in her bedroom and Esther explains that B's death, after B's death, they prayed to whatever entity would grant their wish to see their daughter again. Oh, so you shouldn't they, know who's going to answer that. Right. So an unknown entity answered their prayers and they briefly saw her spirit. The entity convinced them to transfer its essence into the doll. So they were like, sure, you know, we'll we'll do that if it'll allow us to see our daughter again. So they agreed, but then they realized that they had attracted a demon that was looking for a human host. And one night Esther saw B spirit transforming into the demon and then it gouged out her eye, which you see, I believe it was in the trailer. She goes in with the crucifix and it's sitting at the table having like a tea party and then it like twitches and it like Gross. freaks. Oh my God, I hate that scene. <laughs> Go um, twitch somewhere go else. Go twitch somewhere else, B. <laughs> but then they got a priest to bless the house and then they locked the doll in the closet and then they opened the house as a shelter to essentially repent for their actions. But Esther, of course, now regrets it since it's essentially provided an opportunity for the demon to look for a host. That's what I did to my dolls. I threw them in the closet and closed it because I hated them. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you did that to like your siblings That's what I or did something. to my B. Didn't <laughs> I, B? Oh, God. <laughs> But you deserved it. Right. No, just kidding. No, I didn't like China dolls and my great grandmother made them and she made one for me and my mom put it on a stand and put it in my room and I'm like, fuck that. I don't want and it. I threw it in the top of my closet and I shut the door and I never saw it again. My godmother, she didn't have any children, so I was her godchild and she bought me a lot of real actually really nice things from the Danbury Mint. And she bought me these two, I'm not kidding you, life-size porcelain Raggedy Ann and Andy dolls. Ew. Like they were dressed as Raggedy Ann and Andy, but they had real faces. Oh. And they were like life-size. She was like, these my friends. They were my friends. They're my only friends. I didn't have any siblings, so uh, they were my friends. <laughs> but yeah, those things were creepy as fuck. I actually, my mom and I were cleaning out our storage room and I found them and I was like, Ugh. Ugh. I don't like these. <laughs> 
back to what we were saying. The demon murders Esther and then it attacks Sister Charlotte. The orphans, of course, leave the house, but Linda gets trapped and she hides in B's room as Janice, who's still possessed, tries to stab her. Sister Charlotte locks Janice and the doll in the closet and then they run away. The next day, the police show up and they search the house and they only find the doll which they remove as evidence. And then Sister Charlotte, Linda, and the orphans are escorted away by officers. And then Janice escapes through a hole in the wall and she's relocated to an orphanage in Santa Monica and she's still possessed. And she becomes reclusive and calls herself Annabelle. The Higgins family soon adopt Annabelle. So then 12 years later, Annabelle is an adult and she joins the satanic cult and she and her boyfriend murder her adopted parents, which leads us into Annabelle, which are the next door neighbors uh-huh. of the people that are murdered. Yeah. I would like to note that there is a scene where Sister Charlotte is looking at a photograph of her when she was in the convent. Valak is in the picture. Oh. The demon nun is in the picture. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> that was Annabelle creation. I actually, out of all the Annabelle movies, this one was my favorite. Oh, I didn't see it, so. It, it creeped me out. Well, it'll probably creep me out as well. Yeah, you should. Didn't we watch Annabelle? Because I was like, we watched Annabelle. We didn't watch Annabelle creation. Which we're going to move on because of the twitching. And I was like, I'm good. (laughs) I'm good. No, thank you. (laughs) So now we're going to talk about Annabelle, which this came out in 2014. God, that seems like a long time ago. I know. And it was directed by John Lionetti, and he directed Piranha 3D. Oh my god. Three double D? Three no, just three D. Okay. What's the one I'm thinking of that's like double D? I think that's I think that's Piranha. But it's Piranha three double D, I think. I think it's the second one. Insidious Chapter Two, which was actually a pretty good movie. That's a good one. And the Scorpion King. Oh (laughs) Y'all remember that movie with the rock? Oh my god. Can you smell what the Scorpion King is cooking? Ugh. So it stars which I think is hilarious. The main girl's name is Annabelle. Annabelle Wallace. She plays Mia and she was in Peaky Blinders, The Brothers Grimsey, and The Tudors. She's really good in Peaky Blinders. Oh, yeah. Ward Horton. He plays John, which is her husband. He was in Wolf of Wall Street and he was in a ton of soap operas. But the one he was in the most as a reoccurring character was One Life to Live. And then Tony Amendola. He plays Father Perez and he was in The Mask of Zorro. And he was actually also in The Curse of La Llorona. And he was a voice um, on Castlevania as one of the elders. I love him in The Mask of Zorro. He plays one of the Dons. (laughs) There's more than one? There's several Dons. It was actually a political party. They were called the Dons because they were all like Don Juan, Don Diego, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, fun fact. So this movie takes place in Santa Monica and John Form, he is a doctor and his wife, Mia, she is pregnant and they get a rare vintage porcelain doll, Annabelle. Mm -hmm. And And she's uh, so excited about it. She's very excited. I was like, girl, why are you excited about that fucking doll? (laughs) Like if somebody, I mean, honestly... Who am I kidding? If somebody gave that to me when I was pregnant, I'd be like, fuck yeah. Oh. <laughs> this is awesome. I'd be like, I hope that you enjoy the garbage because that's where you'll be going. <laughs> right? And so then um, she has a collection of dolls that she's putting in their nursery for their daughter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. That was, a, that was a visceral reaction. <laughs> yeah, I just can't imagine. Like, I know. I know. I mean, ugh. So that night, the couple wake up. Their next door neighbors, the Higgins, are being murdered by their daughter, who's in a cult. Yeah. And Mia calls the police, but she and John get attacked 
by them. The police show up and they kill what's-her-name's boyfriend. And then the female killer, she commits suicide and she slits her throat in the nursery while she's holding Annabelle. She's like, I like your doll. Oh, God. I hate it. (laughs) I'd be like, have it! And smack her on the face with it. (laughs) And so her blood, like, drips into the doll's eye or something like that. All that good stuff. Yeah, and uh, the wife gets stabbed. Yes, she does. She does. And you think she's gonna lose the baby. Mm Mm-hmm. So, in the days after the attack, a whole bunch of paranormal things start happening at their house. Afterwards, Mia gives birth to a healthy baby girl. She and John name their child Leah. They rent an apartment in Pasadena. After finding the doll that John threw away since Annabelle's previous attack, it basically sets, like, another whole thing of paranormal events in motion. Mia gets haunted by this malevolent presence one night in her apartment, and she believes it to be Annabelle's ghost, and she, like, sees the figure in the basement, and it runs after her, but she gets away. Mia calls the detective that was working on the case, and she wants to get more information about Annabelle and the cult, and she finds out that the cult in intends to summon supernatural beings. That's what they want to do. She finds this bookseller and another tenant in their building and she realizes that the cult of course practiced devil worship and they summoned demon who followed the family after they moved from their apartment so it wants to get a soul because that's all demons want apparently. (laughs) Souls, souls, souls. All the souls. Souls for breakfast, souls for lunch, souls for dinner. All the souls. She gets home and Mia and Leah actually get attacked by the demon and it reveals itself while it's like manipulating the doll which that's the only point where you see the doll move kind of thing. Mia and John are like, frickin' help us. They contact their priest and he tells them that demons sometimes attach themselves to inanimate objects as an advantage to accomplish their goals. A human soul must be offered for a purpose. It's a new year. Demons got goals too. It's got goals. (laughs) So (laughs) without pretty much any hopes of exercising the demon out of the doll, Father Perez is like, I want to take this. And I want to ask the Warrens and Lorraine to see what they can do. But before he gets in the church, the demon impersonating Annabelle's spirit attacks him and gets the doll. He gets hospitalized and then John checks on him. Father Perez says he sensed the spirit and it has a very powerful presence. And the demon's true intention is to claim Mia's soul. And then that night, Evelyn, who is their neighbor, she visits Mia and the demon uses Father Perez's physical form to like sneak into the apartment and he like, takes Leah, their daughter, to essentially get her mother, like, to get Mia's soul. I remember this scene because I was so upset that they were going to be taking the baby and they put Annabelle in place of the baby and I was like, no. I don't like anything that has to deal with the paranormal and like it touching children. Like in Paranormal Activity 2, when the ghost like picks up the baby and you see it on the camera, like that not only pissed me off, but it freaked me out. And I think it's probably just like a female like muttering instinct. Like you're like... Yeah, baby down. (laughs) So we've been having a snowstorm up here in the Pacific, Great Pacific Northwest. It's done now, which I'm very happy for. But um, I legit saw like a man in his 20s probably run across the street in just a t-shirt and jeans. And I immediately, I go, where is your coat? (laughs) Like... Like this. Where is it? Excuse me, sir. Where is your coat? I don't. I don't know where your coat is. And then I'm like, well, he's a grown man. He can decide if he wants to freeze to death or not. Right. Basically, Mia is like, I'm to spare my daughter. She's like, I'm gonna jump out this window with the doll. 
But then John comes home with Evelyn and they're like, no, don't. Evelyn decides to take her life in Mia's place instead as atonement for causing a car accident that resulted in the death of her daughter. That's right. The forums are reunited, the demon and the doll disappear, and Leah is safely in her crib. Six months later, the doll is bought from an antique shop by a mother as a gift from her daughter, Debbie, one of the nursing students in the prelude to The Conjuring. So that's how it connects to The Conjuring, which is coming up in a little bit. So the next one we've got, Annabelle Comes Home. I didn't see this one. I actually just watched this movie for the first time last night. Oh, well, <laughs> thanks for inviting me. Sorry. <laughs> I figured you were probably busy. Uh, busy sitting on my ass. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> did you not see all my videos of Chase playing with Freya? Oh, I actually did <laughs> I was legit <laughs> sitting on my butt. I got off of work early. I went home. I watched Juon because I knew that we were going to be doing this. I searched for all of the Conjuring movies on Netflix and Amazon Prime and nothing is on there. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I'll just watch Juon. Great. <laughs> Annabelle Comes Home come out, came out last year. It's directed by Gary Delberman. And this was actually the first Doberman. <laughs> this was actually the first movie he ever directed. Congrats. Yeah. And of course it stars Vera Farmiga as Lorraine, Patrick Wilson as War as Ed, McKenna Grace as Judy Warren, their daughter. And she is in um, the new Ghostbusters movie, Ghostbusters Afterlife. She was in Captain Marvel, and she's also in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And then it also stars Madison Eisman as Mary Ellen. She's in the new Jumanji movie and Riot Girls. Katie Sarif plays Danella, and she's in Supernatural, and she was in uh, Girl Meets World. This movie I really wanted to like, but we'll get into that in a minute. Ed and Lorraine obviously confiscate Annabelle from the nurses that ended up having it. I remember the previews for this. Yes. So when they're driving back home with the doll, their car breaks down. The doll essentially summons spirits and they like attack Ed. They push him in front of a truck and he rolls out of the way and he's okay. Lorraine realizes that she, Annabelle, is a beacon for other spirits because they're parked next to a, a cemetery. All these spirits show up and you're like, oh shit. So then they get it back home. They get their priest to come and they lock it behind sacred glass that came from a church. And they're like... It's contained. It's this is church glass. This is church glass. <laughs> so she's contained in there. Everything's good. We're all good. She And she sits on her little chair and just hangs out. <laughs> so Doing doll things. Doing doll things. So then a while later, Warrens are going out of town. They're going to have this girl, Mary Ellen, babysit their daughter, Judy, while they go overnight to investigate a case. Judy notices a spirit of a priest because she goes to a Catholic school following her while she's at school. Mary Ellen has a friend named Daniela who her father died in a car accident where she was driving the car. Kind of upset. And she really wants to be in their house and she really wants to go in the room, their artifact room, where they have all their stuff. Boo! Which she manages... Get it. Get a better meaning for life. Right? Which she manages to do. Trying to contact her late father. Annabelle is sitting in the case and she like falls forward and she's like, ooh, I'm going to open this case. So she opens the case. <laughs> then the girls come or they're, they're like baking a cake and it starts to burn. So she leaves the case unlocked. <gasps> like bitch. A, like, <laughs> like a dummy. And of course that causes Annabelle, the spirit of course, to be released. Annabelle starts releasing other spirits that have been locked in this room, such as the ferryman, the bride, a feely mealy board game, 
and the black shook, which is this like big black wolf dog thing. <gasps> Sounds cute. I know. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> so then Mary Ellen has a crush on this guy named Bob Palmieri, and they have a really fucking weird nickname for him. Like all these people start calling him Big Balls Bob. What? And I'm like, this kid's in high school. What the fuck is wrong with you people? And he seems like the most nerdy, like, totally, you know, just like, kid. Like, he he just seems like a really sweet, nerdy kid. And I don't know why they call him that. But anyways, he shows up and he's like serenading her outside. And it's really adorable. It's like a say anything moment. Yeah. (laughs) And, but then he gets attacked by the black shook, which is this big black dog. Oh, no! And he runs and he hides in their backyard. And then Mary Ellen gets tormented by this thing called the fairy man, (laughs) which, you know, I guess is like a version of Karen, which is the, the ferryman in um, Dante's Inferno that allows spirits to cross into the, the realm of the dead. And that's where the whole um, putting coins on the eyes oh, came yeah, yeah, from, yeah, because you have to pay the ferryman. Yeah. Then Judy is confronted by Annabelle in her room, and she's like, ah! So Danabelle... Danabelle. Danabelle! <laughs> Daniela had left earlier, but she comes back in to return the keys to the artifacts room. She gets locked inside, and she's getting tormented by various objects that are in there, like a piano, and then there's an old TV that can actually predict the near future. And she finds a mourner's bracelet and she she sees her father twisted into this very malevolent spirit. And then she sees herself bloody and screaming and she shows up on the TV screen after after having answered a cursed telephone. (laughs) The real the real Daniela later kind of unwittingly reaches to answer the telephone, but she gets interrupted by Judy and Mary Ellen before she can answer it. Our cake is burning. Yeah. So Judy explains that they actually have to get Annabelle back in the case again so that the other spirits can rest. And Bob, like, protects Judy from the Black Shook. And she gets Mary Ellen's asthma inhaler because she she got the asthma. It's important. It is very important. And she's, like, having an asthma attack. And so she's like, I need to get it. And then Daniela actually gets attacked and she gets possessed by the bride spirit. And eventually Mary Ellen and Julie... Judy. Judy find the doll. Lam check. Lam. <laughs> they find the doll when the priest spirit acting as Judy's guardian guides them to the ferryman. So the priest that she had seen in the beginning actually protects Judy. And they manage to get the glass case's key and they're like attacked by hands from this little feely mealy board game. Ew! <laughs> Which is really creepy. I don't like that. And Daniela, who's still possessed, she attacks them, but they finally get the doll back in there. Danielle actually uh, recovers when Judy plays the footage of her dad exercising the bride. And she's like, oh God. They put the doll back in the case. They lock the case. The disturbances are over. They go back to the normal. Bob shows up. Everybody's back to normal. All happy and shit. back playing his guitar. Right? (laughs) So Ed and Lorraine come home and they're like, the fuck happened? (laughs) And the girls are like, oh my God, blah! And Daniela, <laughs> Daniela apologizes to Lorraine for kind of being the cause of all this, you fucking bitch. And <laughs> Lorraine gives her a message that, you know, her father's okay. He doesn't want her to hold on to all this grief and this guilt. And then they have a birthday party for Judy. And that's it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. This wasn't very good. I didn't like it. I watched it and I was half looking at my phone, half watching the movie. 
And there were parts of it that were creepy, but it just, it didn't have the same kind of as the other movies did. I don't know what that is, but it didn't, it, I just, I wasn't a huge fan. Yeah. Yeah. So, I probably won't see it. Yeah. Now we're on to probably my, one of my favorites out of this whole thing. The one that started it all. The Conjuring. The Conjuring. So The Conjuring came out in 2013 and it was directed by James Wan, who we've already talked about. I love James Wan. He's probably one of my favorite directors. Okay, great. He directed Saw, Dead Silence, Insidious, Aquaman. Aquaman. He's got a, he's got a pretty long list. He's directing the new Mortal Kombat, which. And the new Aquaman And too. the new Aquaman 2. <laughs> Christine's very excited about that. <laughs> a really great horror movie director. He's got a really great eye for horror. I think that's no more evident than in Saw. I think Saw is probably the best out of all of his movies. So I haven't seen Saw because when I was living alone years ago, back when I was sad and alone, I one of my I was living with a roommate. She got married and moved out, and she had left the movie Saw behind. And I was like, I'm gonna watch it, oh. and I put it in. The beginning credits start and I go, what the fuck am I doing? And I turned on something happy. I'm not watching this. I'm <laughs> not watching this. I'm alone. This I have... Was, this was pre-Christine and Chase, pre-Christine and Apollo, pre-Christine pre having pets, yeah. everything. Christine was alone. Christine was alone. <laughs> um, I actually have all of them on Blu-ray. So if you ever want to watch them. Nope. <laughs> so this stars Vera Farmiga, Patrick Wilson. It also stars Lily Taylor. She plays Carolyn Perrin. And she was in Leatherface, Hemlock Grove, Six Feet Under. Ron Livingston, he plays Roger Perrin. He was in A Million Little Things. He's in Office Space. Oh, yeah. Office Where, Space is what you'd know yeah, him from. Boardwalk Empire. And it also stars Joey King, who was in... Who Dad? So she was in um, that new Hulu movie based on um, Gypsy Rose. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, she was in, I forget what it's called. I can't remember what it's called, but she's great. I'll look it that. up. You keep talking. Yeah, she's she's really great in that, but she's in it as well. And they have a whole bunch of daughters. I'm not going to go through all of them because they're not important. I'm sorry. <laughs> So this place takes place in 1971. Roger and Carolyn move into this farmhouse in Harrisville, Rhode Island, and they have five daughters. Andrea, Nancy, Cindy, Christine, and April. It's called The Act. Yes, that's right. Great movie, by the way. It's on Hulu. Go watch it. And then their dog, Sadie. And Sadie refuses to enter the house. She's like, I don't want any part of this because dogs know. Because she's a smart cookie. They know. And one of the children, they're they're all playing this game called Hide and Clap, which Fuck. <laughs> Which Christine is having none of. No. And it's my kids want to play any creepy games. Right. I'm gonna be like, no. you go to your Aunt Julie's house and you play that play shit. Play all game. the creepy games at my house, kids. <laughs> so basically it's like hide and seek. But the, you have the seeker, and then you have the people that are hiding. And when the person is looking, they get three times where they can say clap. And the people who are hiding have to clap. It helps them find them. Reminds me of the creepy clapping jack-in-the-box from, oh, from Krampus. from Krampus. So then while they're playing this, they find a cellar, but the cellar has been boarded up. Which is never a good sign. If something is boarded up, that means... Don't go in there. Don't do it. I swear to God. It's like anytime somebody finds something bored up, they're like, I'm going to go in here. No, don't. Paranormal things start happening. Clocks stop at 3.07. Birds are flying into their windows. Sadie's found dead in the backyard. No! Which I hate. I hate when people put dogs in movies only to kill them. Rude. And they do it in horror movies all the time. It pisses yeah, me like off. signs. Stop. 
Stop putting dogs in movies so they, just so you can kill them. It's not okay. So then Christine <laughs> encounters a, a malevolent spirit that only she can see. Sounds about right. And she claims that the spirit wants the family dead. Another night, Carolyn hears clapping in the hallway and she goes to investigate it, but she gets trapped in the basement. And then um, at the same moment, Andrea and Cindy are being attacked in their bedroom by the spirit that is... Believed to be Bathsheba. Carolyn is really kind of at her wit's end with this. And she also has been having all these crazy bruises show up on her body. She can't figure out where they're from. So Carolyn's like, you know what? We need some help. She contacts Ed and Lorraine. And they recently investigated Annabelle. That's kind of what the beginning of the movie is, is them talking to these nurses about Annabelle. And the Warrens are like, you know what? We're going to take the case. And I will say something about the Warrens is they're very strong in their faith. Very, very strong in their faith. That's like a huge deal to them. And they seem like very nice people. I mean, in the movie, at least. I, I can't speak to what they were like in real life, but in the movie, they do seem like very nice people who genuinely want to help people. They are also probably one of the most adorable couples I've ever seen. Very devoted to each other. Like they're obviously very in love with each other. And we'll get into that in The Conjuring too. So the Wards take the case. They conduct this initial investigation and they basically say that, you know, the house might require an exorcism, but they need authorization from the Catholic Church and more evidence before they can go forward. So Ed and Lorraine basically do some research and they find out that the house once belonged to an accused witch named Bathsheba Sherman. And she was a relative of Marytown Eastie, who was a witch that was killed during the Salem witch trials. She also sacrificed her weak old child to the devil and killed herself in 1863 at 3.07 in the morning after cursing all who would take her land. And they find numerous reports of murders and suicides that happened in the houses that were built on the property. And that scene where they find all that out is so creepy because they had they were speaking to the couple. They were like recording it. As they're recording it, this voice like takes over the recording and it's, uh, it's so creepy. It's, bleh. I don't like it. <laughs> they're going to gather evidence and Ed and Lorraine are like, we're going to place cameras and bells around the house. And they have an assistant named Drew. And then they have another assistant who is a police officer. In the morning, Ed and Drew and Roger, they're all like, we're going to take the kids out for ice cream. At one point, I think it's Lorraine is out in the backyard. She's hanging sheets and the wind picks up yeah. and it fly. It causes a sheet to fly off. It like lands on something and then it flies up to the window and Bathsheba essentially appears over Carolyn as she's sleeping and it like vomits blood into her mouth and she like becomes possessed by Bathsheba. So then that night, the group see Cindy sleepwalking into Andrea's room and there's like EVPs coming and there's like a spirit that's luring her into the wardrobe and there's like a secret passage that goes from the wardrobe down into the basement. And Lorraine's like, I'm gonna go in. And then she falls through the floorboards into the cellar. And she sees the spirit of a woman who Bathsheba had possessed a long time ago and used her to kill her child. The parent family is like, you know what? We're getting the fuck out of here. Crazy. And they go to a motel and Ed and Lorraine are going to take all their evidence to their church and see if they can get this done. And then the Warrens show all the all the evidence. Evidence. To Father Gordon, and he explains to them that the approval is gotta come from the Vatican. So they're not members of the church. He, he can't really do that, but he insists that he's gonna push it through himself so that they can get approval as soon as possible. The Warrens. I'm gonna run this up the ladder. Yeah. <laughs> the Warrens' daughter Judy is attacked by Bathsheba using Annabelle, which is a super creepy scene. She gets locked in a room, and Bathsheba's in a rocking chair, and she's holding Annabelle. Ugh, I hate 
hate that scene. <laughs> and then Ed and Lorraine show up just in time to save her. But now Carolyn, who's possessed, she takes two of their daughters back to the house. So Ed and Lorraine and Brad go home and they find Carolyn in the cellar trying to stab their daughter. And Roger and Drew are like, no! And they essentially prevent her from doing so. And then they tie her to a chair and they attempt to exercise her. But like Ed's like, there's not enough priests, not enough time for a priest to show up. I've got to do it myself. So he tries to, but in the process, he gets attacked and Carolyn escapes through this hole in the wall and she's like trying to kill April. Lorraine is able to distract Carolyn from killing her daughter and reminding her of a special memory that she and her family shared, which allows Ed to complete the exorcism and he saves them by essentially lifting Bathsheba's curse. So when they get home, they have a message saying that, you know, they've gained approval from the Vatican to perform the exorcism. A little too late, guys. We already did it. Right? And then they have another case to investigate on Long Island. And then before leaving, Ed adds a music box from the parents' house to the collection of the items in their room. And the end of the movie is the box actually opening and playing music by itself. Yeah. This is probably my favorite. Out of yeah. All of them. I haven't seen it in a really long time. I know. It's, it's very good. It's really good. It's like got just the right amount of jump scares and like the spirits are really creepy and there's just some very atmospheric creepy scenes. Yeah. The Conjuring 2, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, was probably, I've seen it the most. Mm-hmm. It's on TV the most. Yeah. So I've seen it the most. And it's got some really creepy scenes as well. Yeah. The next one we're going to talk about is The Curse of La Llorona. Which the previews, or previews, commercials, whatever, made it look really scary. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Was not. (laughs) Was not really scary at all. It makes me not want to have a clear umbrella. Right? (laughs) Curse of La Llorona was directed by Michael Chavez, and he directed a couple of shorts, but this was kind of his first big thing, and he's actually going to be directing Conjuring 3. We found that we don't like directors that have only shot shorts. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it doesn't work. (laughs) So this stars um, Linda Cardellini. She plays Anna. She was in Avengers uh, Endgame and Age of Ultron, I think. One of those. Green Book, Mad Men. She was also in a movie that's very near and dear to my heart. It's an old movie. It's called Strangeland. Great horror movie. It's got Dee Schneider in it from Twisted Sister. And it's fucking weird. (laughs) But I love it. It's great. It also stars Raymond Cruz. He plays Raphael and he was in Breaking Bad, My Name is Earl, and Alien Resurrection. It also stars Patricia Velasquez as Patricia Alvarez. (laughs) And she was in The Mummy and the Mummy Returns. She was Anux on a Moon. Ooh, I know that bitch. I remember seeing her in the trailer and being like, I've seen that girl before. And I was like, wait, she was a Nux and a Moon in the Mummy. Uh, Nux and a Moon. And she was also in Arrested Development. This movie is a clusterfuck. Oh, God. It's so ridiculous. So, basically, it starts out in 1673 in Mexico. 1673. Yes. <laughs> a long ass fucking time ago. Yeah. And this family is like playing in a field, and the youngest son gives his mother a necklace. And the boy, like, closes his eyes, and then when he opens them, his whole family's gone. He's like, well, where the fuck did they go? And then he goes to find them, and his mother is drowning his brother in a stream, and he runs away, but his mother catches him and drowns him as well. So if you don't know anything about the actual, what La Llorona is, La Llorona is the wailing woman, and it is a Mexican folklore of a woman that her husband left her, and to get back at him, she drowned her children. (gasps) And 
she wanders around wailing for her children and she steals them. Well, it's your fault, bitch. Basically. That's that's what it is. <laughs> and our friend, Vicky, who is Mexican, she actually talked to me about how her family would tell her that Lyarona was going to come and get them. Yeah. Like, it's it's like their boogeyman. Yeah. Basically. Like, she's like the cautionary tale that you tell your kids, you know, mm-hmm. don't act up or Lyarona's going to come get you. Yeah. <laughs> then 300 years later, in 1973 in Los Angeles... There is a caseworker, and I like how they put Hispanic caseworker. She's a caseworker. <laughs> her name is Anna Tate Garcia, and she investigates the disappearance of one of her clients, Patricia Alvarez, her two children. And she shows up at the house for a welfare check, and she finds the children locked behind a door, and Patricia attacks her, and then she's taken away by the police, and she's yelling at her in Spanish. Patricia's sons, she has two, Carlos and Tomas, And she tells Anna to keep them in the room so that they are protected. And she ignores the warnings and she takes them to the police. And at the child services shelter, Tomas sleepwalks through the facility and Carlos follows him until Tomas points to a mirror where they both see La Llorona. And the mirror cracks and she grabs Carlos. And then the boys are found drowned in a river and Anna shows up to investigate. And she brings her own kids. Smart. Fucking why? Named Chris and Sam. She couldn't find a sitter. God. And she tells him, stay in the car while she investigates the murder scene. And she hears Patricia and she's yelling at her about her two sons. She's like saying that you murdered them. And she's screaming that it's Anna's fault. And Patricia tried to stop La Llorona and, you know, all this stuff. The thing that bothers me about this movie a lot is that when people say things in Spanish in this movie, they immediately follow them by saying the same thing in English. Uh. I'm like, use a fucking subtitle or don't. Put it in at all. Just have them speak in Spanish so that the audience can be like, oh shit, what's she saying? You know, like it it adds an element of creepiness to it if you're not quite sure what's going on. Later on, you could come back to it and have somebody repeat it and be like, oh, you know, well, she said this to me kind of thing. You don't need to have it followed up in English. That makes no sense whatsoever. Sorry, side rant. Her son, her son, Chris, gets out of the car because he's like, I'm going to go look around like a dummy. Do exactly what my mother said not to. Exactly. an idiot. And La Llorona grabs him and she burns his arm. (gasps) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like freaking Samara in the ring. And then... Are they related? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) And then he runs back to the car, but La Llorona reappears and she frightens him into shock. Whatever that means. (laughs) Okay. in shock before but I didn't like right anyways so then the next day La Llorona grabs Sam and she leaves the same burn marks on her arm and Anna interviews Patricia and she of course has a time an alibi for the time of her son's death but she tells her about La Llorona and Patricia reveals that she in her hatred for Anna she prayed to La Llorona to take Anna's children next and bring her boys back yeah Bring her boys back. Yeah. All right. So she essentially wants to trade them. All right. So then Anna showed, like, gets attacked by La Llorona, and the spirit attempts to drown Sam in the bathtub. And she saves Sam, but the ghost leaves a burn mark on her arm as well. The next morning, Anna seeks help from Father Perez, who is played by the same guy in um, Annabelle. In Annabelle. Tony Amendola. That's her priest. And he relates the case of his previous experiences with a haunted porcelain doll, Annabelle. And Perez tells Anna about a former priest, Rafael Oliveira, who can get rid of the entity. And Rafael shows up at Anna's house. He sets up candles and other items to protect the family. 
And in the night, La Llorona repeatedly attacks them, and she attempts to drown Anna and Sam in the pool. And Patricia arrives. She tries to give Anna's children to La Llorona in exchange for her own. Sam and Chris flee. While Anna pleads with Patricia in the basement, Patricia comes to her senses and releases Anna, and she allows her to help her children. Chris delays La Llorona by showing her a necklace that Anna took off her in the pool, like she grabbed it away from her. And that makes La Llorona briefly assume her human appearance. And then Sam accidentally unveils a mirror, which takes La Llorona out of her human um, appearance and proceeds to attack the children. Anna stabs her in the chest with a cross made from a fire tree, a tree that grew by the river where La Llorona drowned her children, the only witness to the crime. And her spirit was destroyed. Anna and her children are like, thank you to Raphael for his help. And then the children run back to the house, but Anna sees what looks like a a puddle of tears. What does a puddle of tears look like as a Opposed to just a puddle. This movie was stupid. All right. (laughs) I really didn't like it because the whole premise of La Llorona as a folklore story is actually really- Fucking terrifying. It's really cool (laughs) and it's really fucking creepy. This movie was awful. It was- it made no fucking sense. It- there were so many, once again, plot holes- and it just, it didn't freak me out at all. It just, it, it wasn't freaky. I didn't like it. it. They, like, the trailer made it look super crazy. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh my god. It also felt really shoehorned in there because they were like, oh, the only way that it ties into the Conjuring universe is this one guy talking about the fact that he dealt with Annabelle. Huh. That was it. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. All right. <laughs> well, that's one I'll skip. Yeah. So then next... Is The Conjuring 2. The one that I've seen the most. Yes. I've probably seen this one the most, too. So this is also directed by James Wan. Of course, once again, Lorraine Warren, uh, Ed Warren, Vera Farmiga, and Patrick Wilson. Um, It also stars Madison Wolf. She plays Janet Hodgson. And she was in I Kill Giants, the Scream TV series, and The Devil's Do, which was a terrible horror movie. It also stars Frances O'Connor. She plays Peggy Hodgson, which is her mother. And she was in AI, Artificial Intelligence, and Mansfield Park. And then it also stars Simon McBurney, and he plays Maurice Gross. He's the one of the investigators that actually calls the Warrens. And he was in Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy, Last King of Scotland, and Jane Eyre. And there was a lot more people in it, but I'm not going to list all those people because who cares? Yeah, like all the kids and stuff. Yeah. So this place takes place in 1976, and it starts out with Ed and Lorraine investigating the Amityville murders, murders in the Amityville house. And they're basically trying to determine if there is a demonic presence that was truly responsible for Ronald DeFeo killing his entire family and also causing the haunting that involved the Lutz family. And during the seance, Lorraine is drawn into this vision where she relives all of the murders and the spirit of one of the children lures her to the basement and that's where she encounters Valak for the first time as the demonic nun and she witnesses Ed dying like being impaled on this huge spike which frightens her quite a bit then it jumps to 1977 and the Hodson family they live in a London suburb called Enfield and they start to experience all these strange occurrences in their home after janet she's the second oldest of four she plays with a ouija board that she made with her friend camilla which i'm like fucking janet and camilla like come on you guys so which is funny because the girl that plays janet was also in ouija Yes, she was. And they played with the Ouija board in The Conjuring too. So. <laughs> so then Janet starts to sleepwalk all over the place. And she, like, talks to somebody in her sleep. And it's an entity in the form of, like, this very angry elderly man that sits in an armchair downstairs. Yeah. And he keeps insisting that this is his house. 
And eventually, all of the Hodgson siblings and their mother, they witness the paranormal events. And eventually, something so creepy happens that they run over their neighbor's house. And they're, like, super creeped out by it. And then the media is attempting to interview the family. And Janet actually is possessed by the old man. His name is Bill Wilkins. And he previously lived and died in the house. And during the possession, Wilkins states that he enjoys tormenting the family and wants to reclaim his home. And then Janet begins to show more signs of demonic possession and eventually the story reaches the Warrens and their assistance is requested so that they can investigate whether or not Janet's possession is an actual host or hoax. <laughs> Lorraine is obviously very fearful of her vision of Ed's death becoming a reality and she's like, we don't need to get too involved. We don't need to. And Ed actually has a dream about Valak and he paints a portrait of it. And Lorraine's like, ugh. And so then- Why, why'd you do that? Yeah, so then Lorraine has a, like a dream vision of the nun in probably one of the creepiest scenes. Oh yeah. In any of these movies. Like it's so creepy. And I've watched this movie so many times. And I, for the life of me, cannot figure out what it is about that scene that makes it so creepy. But it just is, ugh, it creeps me out every time I watch it. It's so good. Oh my god. While she's having this dream, the demon says its name and she carves it into her Bible, yeah. basically. So then they go to the Hodgson residence and Lorraine have other paranormal investigators there, Maurice Gross and then another woman whose name is Anita Gregory. And they basically talk about the legitimacy of the case. And they are attempting to communicate with Wilkins' spirit and they're essentially hoping to convince him to stop haunting the home. And then Gregory presents video evidence of Janet wrecking the kitchen on purpose as if for a prank. And then they're like discrediting the haunting essentially. They're like, obviously she's just doing this to get attention or whatever. So Ed and Lorraine are like, well, we're gonna leave. We think you guys are lying for fame. That's really unfortunate. And Janet's like super upset because she's not. Lorraine has a kind of revelation that the spirit of Wilkins is basically being manipulated by the demonic presence of the nun to haunt Janet and break her will. And Lorraine realizes that her abilities have been blocked by the nun, preventing her from really grasping the truth about the possession. And Lorraine, like, go back to the house as fast as they can. And Janet is, like, fully possessed. The rest of the family is locked outside. And Ed's like, I'm gonna go in alone. Sounds like a good plan. He goes in alone, and the demon, like, causes the knob of, like, a hot water tank or, like, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a pipe or something to, like, spray off. And it, like, blinds him, like, temporarily. So he's, like, feeling around the house. And it's super creepy. <laughs> and he eventually gets upstairs and he finds Janet at this window ready to just jump out and commit suicide. And of course he manages to grab her, but he's like close to falling. And lightning strikes this tree in the front yard. And of course it turns it into the object that Lorraine sees in Pale End. She's like, oh my God! So she finally gets her Bible, which has the name of the demon written down, which is Valak. And she addresses the demon by name, which any good demonologist knows that that's really the only way that you can get a demon to leave is you have to address it by its name, which demons are very possessive. They don't like to give that information away. And she condemns it back to hell. Janet's freed. Lorraine pulls Ed to safety. Everybody's happy. Everybody's good. 
But after returning home, Ed adds another item to their collection. It's a haunted crooked man's uh, zeotrope, and it was owned by Peggy's youngest child, Billy, and she puts it next to the music box in front of the Annabelle doll, so it's kind of... Yeah, the crooked man is also something... Which, for me, that was the creepiest scene. Yeah. For you, it was the scribbling in the Bible and the nun painting flying out. For me, it was... The crooked man. Yeah, that the was crooked man. That was super creepy. That scene was, and now they're actually making a full-length movie about the crooked man. Yeah, Christine's not happy. <laughs> yeah, that's coming. Another out. thing that looks like some kind of object. I like, know. Come, coming to life. Legs and. So this is probably my second favorite. I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I would say it's probably my first favorite. It's fun because. I've just seen it so much. Right. It's it's really fun. I, I think that this is just one of those horror movies that's... It's like, just a fun film. It's just like, a fun... You just get into it's it. It's a fun flick. <laughs> I really enjoy it. I think it's really a great, creepy horror movie. Yeah. You know? Now we're just going to kind of talk briefly about the new movie that's coming out. It's, I believe, coming out in... It's scheduled to be released in the U.S., September oh, 11th. September 11th. September 11th, really? Oh, Jesus, 2020. Right. Okay. <laughs> what a date. Um, wow, okay. <laughs> Basically, it just, this is what it says. It says, reveals a chilling story of terror, murder, and unknown evil that shocked even experienced real-life paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren. One of the most sensa- sensational cases from their files, it starts with a fight for the soul of a young boy and then takes them beyond anything they'd ever seen before to mark the first time in U.S. history that a murder suspect would claim demonic possession as a defense. Hopefully it's good. I don't want to say that I'm... Oh, I thought it said Sterling Jones. <laughs> Who's it's that? Not, I don't know. Sterling Jarens? Sterling Jones. I don't, Jer- I don't, I don't know. know who that is. Maybe I just made that up. I think you might have made that up. <laughs> oh my god. What's wrong so, with me? So, basically... The reason that I am skeptical about this movie being any good is because it's going to be directed by the same guy who directed The Curse of La Llorona. Oh, all right. Reticent to well, say that this movie is James Wan be. is busy. Well, and he produces all these movies. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you're a producer. If you're producing and you think a movie is not up to the standards that you want it to be, then you need to be like, no, I'm not going to release this. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? I'm not going to put my name right? on it. But that's the thing. You're putting your name on it. So so I'm going to I'm gonna go down my favorites. I would say my favorite is the original The Conjuring, then The Conjuring 2, then Annabelle Creation, Annabelle Annabelle Comes Home, The Nun, and Curse of La Llorona. So I'll only do the ones that I've seen. Mm -hmm. Conjuring 2 for me, and then The Conjuring, and then Annabelle, and then The Nun. I mean, The Conjuring universe is actually, I think, probably one of the better universes. Like, I love Insidious. Insidious. Insidious is great. We'll do an episode on that. The Conjuring is very, as a unique universe, and I'm really glad that James Wan was able to kind of shed some light on the Warrens because I think that their lives are very fascinating. I've read a couple of their books. Like I said in our last episode where we talked about paranormal stuff, I am a huge skeptic because I am so into the paranormal and I think that that gives you a, a bit of a, an edge, if you will, when it comes to the paranormal because you look at everything with a skeptic eye. You're able to realize the things that really can't be explained. Sherlock Holmes said, what is left, no matter how improbable, it must be the truth. 
after you've eliminated the impossible. That's not the quote word for word, but you get the gist. So I think it was really cool that he was able to show their lives in this way. Some of it obviously is exaggerated, but I think that they're very interesting people. They were very interesting people. And it's cool that he was able to create this whole universe surrounding things that they did. Well, thanks for sitting here through this long ass episode. I know it's longer than most of our episodes, but hey, I listen to some podcasts that take me a whole week to listen to because they're over two hours long. Right. Like the, the ones that I listen to that are that long are usually like story-based ones, so oh. they take forever. I <sighs> listen to Armchair Expert with oh. Dax Shepard. Oh, yeah. All of his are like over two hours long. Yeah. It's very rare yeah. if they're under two hours. So, you know, totally thanks for coming to hang out with us and listen to us gab about the Conjuring universe. I'm glad we did this one. We really appreciate y'all stopping by. Oh, yeah. So follow us on all our social media, uh, Twitter, BF Horror Story, Instagram, Best Friends Horror Story. And, you know, you can find us on pretty much anywhere you find your podcast. We're now on iHeartRadio, which Yeehaw! is pretty cool. You know, we're probably going to pop up on some other ones. But for now, you can go to our Twitter and it has the link to all of our places as well as our Instagram. So thanks for hanging out with us, you guys. And we will talk at you in the next episode. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye.